If you want a sign that humanity's still got it going on. The people are revolting. Welcome to People Are Revolting, a daily dose of disobedience. This piece is written by Nadra Niddle and is published at capitalbeatnews.org, originally published by the 19th. The demonstrators in downtown Atlanta held Palestinian flags and wore kafayas. They prayed, they sang. They carried signs stating, Stop the genocidal bombing of Palestine and end all USAID to apartheid Israel. Numbering in the several thousands, the throngs included born and bred Georgians and visitors from as far as Ireland. Protests calling for a ceasefire in the occupied Palestinian territory of Gaza have been held across the globe, but the activists who organized this particular march stood out. She's a sophomore at Spelman College. I decided to take the initiative to spread awareness and have our community come together, Rokia Darbo said. At her historically black women's college, Darbo is hardly the only student advocating for Palestinians, who have been ensnared in a conflict with Israel over land, politics, and equality that predates Israel's 1948 creation. In 2014, out of its Women's Research and Resource Center, Spellman launched one of the first Students for Justice in Palestine chapters at an HBCU in the wake of protests over the police killing of Mike Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. Spellman students and scholars say they see a link between how Americans of color and Palestinians are policed, contending that Palestinians face the racial, economic, and gender injustices that oppress groups domestically and globally do. I started doing research on black liberation and how it parallels with what's going on in Palestine, Darbo said. It just really moved me. She has been a vocal advocate for Palestinians since 2019. As a high school student in Smyrna, Georgia, Darbo said she received criticism for her activism, but believes the war on Gaza has made it more apparent to people what's actually going on. Israel began its war on Gaza after Hamas, the militant group that governs the Strip, killed about 1,200 Israelis and took another 240 hostage during an October 7 terrorist attack near the Israel-Gaza border. In the month afterward, Israel's bombardment of Gaza has killed more than 11,000 Palestinians. And this piece was written some time ago. That number is over 25,000 today. Nearly 70% of whom were children, women, or elderly, according to the Gaza Health Ministry. Israeli airstrikes have hit schools, churches, mosques, refugee camps, hospitals, ambulances, and journalists. Israeli officials say that Hamas is operating out of hospitals such as Al-Shifa, Gaza's biggest medical establishment. Both the militant group and medical administrators have denied this claim, and human rights experts say that bombing civilian heavy areas amounts to collective punishment of the Palestinian people for Hamas's terrorist attack. Leaders from the United States atop Israel ally, ally have denied the collective punishment characterization and refused to call for a ceasefire 
while acknowledging in Secretary of State Antony Blinken's words that, quote, far too many civilians have been killed in the conflict. The plight of Palestinians is personal for Bana Gadbian, the founder of the Spelman-led chapter of Students for Justice in Palestine, which includes students from other schools that belong to the Atlanta University Center, AUC, a consortium of city HBCUs. The 2015 Spelman graduate is now an assistant gender studies professor at the college and faculty advisor for the club. My grandmother, grandfather experienced Israeli bombing in Syria, and my father grew up with that, said Godbian, a Syrian-American, noting that Israel occupied parts of their family's homeland. Some of Godbian's relatives are Palestinian as well. A trip to the West Bank in 2014 prompted Godbian to start a solidarity group at Spelman. In the occupied territory, they encountered hundreds of Israeli-run military checkpoints, roadblocks, and other barriers that limit the movement of Palestinians who need permits to enter certain areas and are prohibited from entering other areas entirely. We stayed with friends who are not allowed to build on their house or expand on their land, Godbian said. They're under 24-hour surveillance by the Israeli military. They're under constant threat of death, essentially. In July 2014, Israeli citizens kidnapped, beat, and burned alive a Palestinian teenager named Mohammed Abu Qadir, a crime reportedly carried out in response to the kidnapping and murder of three Israeli teens by Palestinian militants earlier that year. The case led Palestinians to demonstrate and to Israel's 2014 bombardment of Gaza. When Godbian returned to the United States amid Black Lives Matter protests over the police shooting of Brown, they saw a connection between the Ferguson uprising and Palestinian protests over Qadir's murder. They pointed out that Palestinians used social media to tell BLM activists how to withstand tear gas from police, because those are U.S.-funded weapons that they knew intimately, Godbian said. They added that the Atlanta Police Department and many other law enforcement agencies in the U.S. received training in Israel, leading Godbian to see global linkages between the policing of Palestinians and Americans of color. With the encouragement of Spelman faculty, Godbian screened a documentary called Roadmap to Apartheid when they were a student. The film explores the Israeli-Palestinian conflict by engaging with the history of South Africa. Our freedom is incomplete without the freedom of the Palestinians, then-President Nelson Mandela said in 1997, just a few years after apartheid ended in his country. After the film screening, Godbian circulated a sign-up sheet for students interested in participating in a club that eventually became a chapter of Students for Justice in Palestine. The group started with five members and now has 65, according to Godbian. It has invited students from Berzeit University in the West Bank to discuss their experiences and written an open letter to protest a pro-Israeli lobby group influence on some college campuses. The organization also holds teach-ins, discussions, and consciousness-raising activities. When it began, it not only aimed to promote justice for Palestinians, but to confront a wide range of issues affecting Black, Indigenous, Latinx, Arab, and Asian Americans in Atlanta, the South, and the United States. Those challenges include police brutality, white supremacy, mass incarceration, sexual violence, and the colonial occupation of indigenous land. 
So the main goal was to basically connect the local to the global and also come out of this very kind of black feminist lineage of supporting Palestine, God being said. For years, Spelman College Women's Studies Professor Beverly Guy Sheftal stood with Palestinians, as is activist and scholar Angela Y. Davis. Members of the AUC Center Chapter of Students for Justice in Palestine have read Davis's 2015 book, Freedom is a Constant Struggle, Ferguson, Palestine, and the Foundations of a Movement. The book salutes Spelman College for launching one of the first Students for Justice in Palestine clubs at an HBCU. In 2011, Davis and Guy Sheftal were members of a delegation of women of color and indigenous feminists who visited the occupied Palestinian territories, an experience they both discussed last month during a virtual event called Black Feminist Writers and Palestine, organized by advocacy group Black Woman Radicals. I thought, having grown up in the Jim Crow south of Memphis, Tennessee, that I had seen well, not everything, but I thought I really understood some of the worst aspects of oppression, said Guy Sheftal, founding director of the Women's Research and Resource Center at Spelman. The trip to the Middle East proved her wrong, she said, noting that the many checkpoints the delegation encountered, the Israeli authorities did not always treat them with fairness and dignity. I can remember when we were on the buses, we were stopped, she said. Israeli soldiers brought German shepherd dogs up on the bus we were on, and it reminded me of protesting in the 60s in the Jim Crow South. The trip both moved and disturbed the delegation, Davis said during the webinar. The situation was far worse than we imagined it to be, even for those who were seasoned participants in the campaign for justice for Palestine. And so let me say how heartened I am that radical black feminists are attempting to develop an even deeper solidarity with the people of Palestine. Davis is a distinguished professor emerita at the Humanities Division of the University of California, Santa Cruz. She has spoken at Spelman multiple times, including as a commencement speaker in 2021. During the webinar with Guy Sheftal, she noted that Palestinians have long answered the call for solidarity with the black liberation struggle, supporting her when her activism led to her 1970 imprisonment sparking a global movement for her freedom. Davis was eventually acquitted of all charges. Palestinians, she said, have a very special place in my heart. Lubna Katami, co-founder of the Palestinian Feminist Collective, said that black indigenous and third world feminists have influenced Palestinian feminists. Katami is also a postdoctoral research associate in Palestinian studies at Brown University and an assistant professor in the Department of Asian American Studies at the University of California, Los Angeles. They are the ones who helped us understand what interlocking systems of oppression are, said Katami, who is familiar with Spellman's history of solidarity with Palestinians. We can't talk about women's rights without talking about race, class, sexuality, citizenship, disability, and all the other structures that organize power on the world scale. Through that lens, Katami said, black women have had little difficulty viewing Palestinian liberation as a feminist cause. The fate of parents and children during the war on Gaza also drives the issue home, said both Katami and Gabdian. Tens of thousands of Gazans are pregnant, and many of them cannot access medical care or are undergoing procedures such as cesarean sections without anesthesia. Their newborn babies are also dying. 
Denying access to medical treatment, food, and clean water, Katami said, is an attack on reproductive freedom. Gaza is not only a political issue for black women, but an emotional one too, Darbo said. We are probably valued at the least in America, I'd say, so we understand firsthand what that oppression feels like, she said. We understand what it feels like to be an outsider even in your own space. So I feel like that's why we sympathize and empathize so much with Palestinians. At Spelman College, advocating for the lives of Palestinians amid the war on Gaza has not resulted in backlash, Darbo and Godbian told the 19th. But that's not the case at many colleges and universities, where both Islamophobia and anti-Semitism are on the rise. According to one report, incidents of anti-Semitism rose 400% last month over the same period last year. At Cornell University, a student was arrested for making violent threats against Jewish students, including statements about shooting, stabbing, and raping them. Meanwhile, students at other Ivy League institutions, including Harvard and Columbia, say they don't feel their universities have sufficiently protected them from harassment and intimidation for their solidarity with Palestinians. Doxing trucks listing such students as anti-Semites have appeared on campuses. The vehicles are not affiliated with the universities, but students have complained that school officials have not done enough to intervene as outsiders launch smear campaigns against them. Some institutions have cracked down on student activism. Columbia announced November 10 that it was suspending Students for Justice in Palestine and Jewish Voice for Peace, which has called for a ceasefire in Gaza through the end of the fall term for allegedly violating the university's rules around organizing campus events. Brandeis University has barred Students for Justice in Palestine from operating on its campus by describing club members as terrorist sympathizers and supporters, following a similar move by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis affecting universities throughout the state. The Senate and the House passed resolutions denouncing anti-Semitism on college campuses that accused Students for Justice in Palestine of issuing pro-Hamas statements. Godbian said that their group condemns violence. These are 18, 19-year-olds, a lot of whom are young women, Kadami said. A lot of our student movement is led by young women, and they're completely being left on their own. Administrators are not stepping up to say that they are members of the campus community who need to be protected, and this makes them increasingly vulnerable to racist attacks, especially those who are or who are perceived to be Palestinian, Arab, or Muslim. After announcing plans to fight anti-Semitism, some universities have said they will also take steps to counter Islamophobia, a problem on and off campuses. The Council on American-Islamic Relations announced November 9 that it received 1,283 requests for help and reports of bias over the past month, a 216% spike from the previous year. It is very, very clear that our community is being targeted, Katami said, that the government is encouraging and enabling it, that academic institutions are complicit with it, and that there is a certain humanity that is given preference over another group's humanity. Well before the October 7 terrorist attacks, students and scholars advocating for Palestinians face silencing and suppression. The advocacy group Palestine Legal reports that it fielded 1,707 complaints related to campus censorship, discrimination, or discipline between 2014 and 2020. After Guy Sheftal's 2011 trip to the occupied Palestinian territories, community members from a predominantly white institution demanded that Spellman fire her for joining the delegation, she said during last month's webinar. 
She also discussed getting death threats, backlash, she said. That's a given. Godbean said that though speaking up comes with consequences, they want to use their privilege in the academy to advocate for Palestinians losing their lives. As of late October, their family and friends had already lost about 170 loved ones to the conflict. I'm going to try to just continue to center people on the ground who are dying, Godbean said. I'm in a lucky place where I don't have to risk as much as other people do, so I'll just continue to do that. Darbo has no plans to stop fighting for Palestinians, and the possibility that she could lose academic or employment opportunities because of her activism doesn't faze her. Any kind of repercussions I get, it doesn't matter, because at the end of the day, I'm standing on my morals, she said. If you want to follow People Are Revolting on social media, you'll find us in the Fediverse at movingtrainmedia at collectiva.social. If you want to listen to back episodes, head over to peoplearerevolting.com. Keep revolting, and thanks for listening. sign that humanity's still got it going on. The people are revolting. I think you just nailed it.